this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, joining us is a member of that union, Union Proud. We need to, we need to get morning, a little stickers. Morning from Australia anyway. <laughs> Good morning, Josh, blowing my intro. <laughs> <laughs> I was I had a whole thing built up with like a, a biography oh, that was going to go on for like a good 20 minutes and 20 we're going to get into childhood accomplishments and <laughs> that's all blown now. All right, so Josh Page, welcome back. It's been about a hey, year. Guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. It doesn't seem like it's been a year, but it has. So yeah, really looking forward to talking about this new new album today from Australia. Now, now your last pick made Tim and I's season ending review. No, we thought no pretty pressure. highly of that. So <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I did tell a few friends about that. That was a nice little Christmas present. So thank you. <laughs> so without, uh, let's not, wait any longer why don't you share with everyone the album that you picked uh for this episode happy to yeah it's a melbourne-based band called sandpit from 1998 the album's called on second thought and um yeah i'd say quite different to be heavy stuff that i i um suggested last year and you guys really loved so i think they're a little bit different but also um some of the reasons why I love this band and this album particularly is their, I think, pretty unique sound again to the Australian indie music scene of around that late 90s. So I didn't find too many bands that sounded like Sandpit. I really enjoyed their, their songwriting, their musicianship and just everything about the band. So um, I actually didn't get to see them live very much, um, but um, just really loved this album and they were only uh, a band for a short time, five or six years, but I think they left a pretty good legacy see with this one album there yeah jay this is the second one and done band in a row we did bike last episode who were only together for one ap- album and again sandpit together for one album as you mentioned released in 1998 uh they did have a couple of releases before that there was a like a demo cassette that went around and then they officially released um an ep in 96 called lessons in posture on uh, Fellaheen, which is the label that they, you know, were on for the for the album, um, and then a couple of uh, another EP in '97, "The Tyranny of Creeps," that came out uh, prior to this record. And then there's a compilation I read called "The Hunting Picture." Are you familiar yeah, with that, Josh? Two, that's just the two EPs combined. Okay. Yeah, okay. got it. Because that's on streaming twice. So it's a little confusing when you look at their discography. Yeah, there might be one extra track, but I'm pretty sure it's just those first two EPs combined. So it's 10 or 11 tracks. So. Gotcha. So you mentioned that you you had talked to the lead singer on Facebook. Has he done music yeah, after this? He's on Facebook. He's in at this little shirt that I'm wearing called Sound As Ever. It's a group of, of about Australian indie rock from the 90s. It got created, I think, during pandemic times. And so it's a cool little group now that's on Facebook that just celebrates all things Australian indie rock in the 90s and so a lot of musicians from the 90s in Australia are on that 
on that site either lurking and just watching and some interact a bit more than others. So Brendan, the lead singer and songwriter for this band, um, was really kind when I put a post up saying that Sandpit will be featured on Dig Me Out. He came back and said, oh, thanks very much for suggesting my whole band and he'll be really interested to hear what people think of it. And he's just he's just thankful that hopefully that the album gets a bit of a wider listen now throughout maybe the States as well because of this podcast. So he was just really grateful and really interested to hear what other people thought of his music. I, I said he'd be more than welcome to join this podcast, but he was happy to just let other people talk about his music. And, yeah, so really, really nice of him to sort of say thanks, but I think he'll be an interested listener in a, in a week or two's time when it comes out. So, so it looks like after this um, he was in a band called New Buffalo. Uh, I don't think so. I think unless he was involved in some sort of musician role with New Buffalo, um, I don't think he did a lot, to be honest. His bass player, Stephanie, was the one that moved into something for Kate and obviously they took off pretty um, massively in Australia. So right. I'm not sure if that's what um, broke the band up or not, but um, she moved into something for Kate. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the new Buffalo um, connection, so whether he just did some stuff in the background with that um, or not, because um, I know new Buffalo is, I think she's the the partner of one of the guys out of the avalanches so um but new buffalo was pretty cool cool some cool records in the early 2000s as well so he um i don't know where it comes from but i'm trying to figure it out he has a a credit the only like he has very few musical credits on discogs but one of them is for a dropkick murphy's album in 2007 Order I'm like, I'm like what? Yeah, I think I'm, maybe it's a, <laughs> we'd have to ask him that one, but that that's interesting. That I'm like, did it was is there like uh, a did they use a part of a song or something? Yeah, like a songwriting, know. T- you know, know, or or did he do a vocal? Like, I'm like, <laughs> not sure. I mean, realistically, he, he did go into obscurity. In my view, he did do some albums under the name BL Striker, which were electronic and quite um, experimental. But beyond that, there wasn't a lot that I knew that he did really. So um, he really did just um, sort of go out um, and didn't do much from a musician's point of view, or as far as releasing stuff into the public by anyone. So. Now, uh, Jay, like you, I'm assuming. Uh, we're both unfamiliar with this record going into this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I looked at the cover, <laughs> and it, the, when I looked at the cover, I was like, that kind of looks like the grown-up version of the Afghan Wigs uh, Gentleman. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. I never thought about that. <laughs> That's funny. It's like Gentleman 2. <laughs> well, and the, the genders are reversed. Right. But, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, I just saw it's that. It's a too. very solid... Uh, I, that should be the cover for the when he makes you know how there was unforgiven two and three by metallica there could be a gentleman too yeah, cool. <laughs> i don't think they'd be unhappy with the comparison <laughs> <laughs> we we're by law we're required to mention either the afghan wigs catherine wheel or Fitter, <laughs> at least once during every episode that's all right Fair enough. <laughs> and with this band name i wasn't sure what we were going to get I was like, is this going to be like quicksand? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a very 90s. Like, what is obscure, that name? Like, yeah. Telling me. Like looking at the name and the, I could, like, this could have been Electronica album. Like this could have been yeah. like trip hop. Like I no idea what this was going to sound like. Well, I'm uh, glad when you get these bad band names from me and you guys got no idea. <laughs> right. So we did get some comments and we'll share the poll at the end of this episode, uh, how this turned out with our Patreon folk. 
But we got some comments. Jason Pan said, bought the reissue vinyl of this a few years ago following Steph's career backwards from my love of something for Kate. We'll have to spin it up again soon to remind myself. Uh, Willie Dillon said, sounds like pretty solid indie rock to me. There's certainly influence from bands like Bedhead and The The. Like they also mix in some more rocking songs as well. Probably won't blow anyone's brains out of their brain pit, but I'm glad to have heard it. <laughs> brains out of their brain pit. <laughs> that sounds like something um, that would be on Righteous Gemstones that uh, Kelvin would be like, don't blow your brains out of your brain pit. Yep, yep. Sorry. Paul. Got to mention Righteous Gemstones also once per episode per our HBO Max uh, <laughs> contract. Uh, Richard Waterman said, Au contraire, I'm looking in the pit of my skull and the brain is nowhere to be found. Alas, Sandpit has indeed done to me. What you said couldn't be done. You are a fraud of the highest caliber, Mr. Dylan, and I bid you good day. Oh yeah, Worthy Album reminds me of Pinback and other indie rock, post-rock bands of the era. Best track is Greater Expectations. And then Jeff Gentis said, I have never heard this before. Shoot it into my veins. Worthy. <laughs> so some positive uh, comments there on this album from our Patreon community. Let's dig into it. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about On Second Thought by Sandpit. I love the clean guitars. I love the sort of overall approach and how they use them. It's it, The guitars lines are very melodic. Sort of this mix of lines and chords and it's tough to do i think clean guitars well where it doesn't come off you know boring or thin and uh i just think they do a really good job of sounding like a big full band and having muscle without always relying on distortion um and that leaves room for the bass and the drums you know it's not a huge drum sound but like when everything is together uh it sounds like a you know a big band sound it also helps the vocal quite a bit because you know he sings in a bit of a whisper at times or a very hushed kind of tone and again with with uh, you know being able to use clean guitars really well it just opens up all of the space where they can do a bunch of stuff um and it deceptively like you wouldn't think it makes them sound bigger but i, I kind of think it does uh in that you can hear the whole band. Um, I also like the vocal melodies. They're really unique. Uh, the only other person I could think of was uh, Craig Wedron from Shutter to Thank. Uh, the song Metamorphosis and Walk a Straight Line. Just the notes he's putting together vocally and the way he sings is very unique you know like i said craig is the only other person i can think of that sings like that it's a very kind of unorthodox uh melodic approach like it just is in this place that you wouldn't necessarily assume it would go Just making way 
And then the tone of the voice too is is pretty interesting. He's able to do like this hush whisper. So for those songs that are cleaner or those sections of songs that are cleaner, you know, he can deliver this kind of sincere, intimate vibe where you're like right in there um, with that soft vocal. But then he also goes to a falsetto in a couple songs that really cut through um, and have some energy and just get some dynamic going vocally. So uh, I'm also enjoying the just the vocal tone and overall sort of um, range, even though I wouldn't say he's like like a classically great rock singer. It's but he's got a voice and it's unique and I think he uses it well to serve the songs. That's some of what I liked. How about you, Tim? Uh, a lot of the same stuff. I'll, I'll just expand a little bit. Uh, this reminded me of like the good things that I liked in Polvo the band that we checked out uh, not too long ago, I think maybe it was the end of last year. Um, you know, it's that angular slow core indie rock sound that I think you mentioned why there's a really interesting dynamic, which is his vocal, um, like walk in a straight line. That totally is like, you, you nailed it. It's a Craig Wedren kind of like it's odd and, and like definitely pushing the boundaries of what it would be normal rock vocals and even like indie rock vocals you think of them as being you know certain things and like when they start throwing in weird patterns like or 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 falsettos and things that really aren't supposed to be there then you go oh that he's doing something different um so i think we're a lot of people might compare this to like slint in that sort of Mm. slow core vibe but i think what works best is is when it gets weirder, when it gets louder in the way that like Slint didn't do for me, um, it felt more repetitive with that band. And there's enough happening melody wise vocal. And then also with you mentioned with the guitars that like, it doesn't feel as repetitive. And I mean, to be honest, these are also pretty tight songs. 405 and 525, I think are the only ones that go over three or over four minutes. Yeah. So you got a lot of, you know, three, three and a half minute long songs. That's it. Whereas mm-hmm. you get, when you get into like consistently seven, nine, 12 minute songs, that can be hard to take because it's, you know, you get, you start off with what you would call the slow core sound and then hold your horses and helicopters have these interesting, you know, loud parts. Same with um, greater, greater expectations and uh, the closer, Great Paper Fortress. So it's not as simple as like slow core or, or anything because they're kind of like moving in and out of those indie rock genres and and pretty seamlessly as well i mean there's some sonic youth aspects to it but mm-hmm. not quite as chaotic yep so i found a lot of that uh really worked for me well uh josh so what did you get this album when it came out did you discover it later no, I was a pretty big fan straight away from their first couple of EPs. And then, yeah, I just thought the album was just this huge leap forward. The EPs are great and they probably are a bit more in that upbeat, indie pop rock sort of like Hold Your Horses or Along the Moors, those sorts of songs. Um, they're more straight ahead and that's what I loved about this album. It's this sort of combination of those more up 
straight ahead sort of indie rock songs, but then songs like Metamorphosis, which for me is my favourite song with track two on the album. I just It's just something about it, the clean guitar and, as Jay said, his vocal, like they're the two things that always stand out for me that I think are so unique, particularly of the time where not many bands in Australia were experimenting or I think confident enough to experiment with clean guitar. There was lots of distortion and Sandpit used distortion, but I think they use it to great effect because of the clean guitar parts as well. Um, and then, yeah, his vocal, it's just so interesting. Like it's not powerful, but it, again, I think it carries weight because he's not afraid to use falsetto because he sings in probably just the way his voice sounds. I don't think it's put on. I think it's, that's just the voice that he was born with and he uses it to the best of his advantage. So, um, and, yeah, sometimes like when Metamorphosis is on, he sings some lines where there's just a little bit of a, a lead guitar behind him that's like I find it sort of crushing like nearly it's just. It's, it's you know, a lot of space, but it's just it's very evocative and emotional and, yeah, I think it's great. So um, they're sort of the bits that I love about them, that they can do what I would say the more straight-ahead indie rock where they do get comparisons to bands like Sonic Youth, but then, um, and, but then they do this other stuff as well and it sort of blends seamlessly into this album, which is quite varied and, and they do it all. I think they do every style well. Like I don't go, oh, I wish they did more of the slow stuff or I wish they did more of the, Fast stuff, it's like it just all fits really nicely into a pretty tight 10-track album. Jay, would you call this a lo-fi recording? Oh, I wouldn't, know. But it's Why not would... It's it's not glossy. It's not like, you know, no. pop production either. So it's like, right, no. that's what I was getting at. It's kind of in the middle, production-wise, and I think that actually works to its benefit because if this was low-end, those guitars would sound awful. Oh, yeah. Especially no, when they got no. loud. And if it was too polished, it wouldn't it wouldn't sound right. But there's a nice balance, especially in the clean guitar. There's enough bass in that clean yeah. guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. That a lot of it, it, like lo-fi recordings, that's what they miss. And you yeah. get that really reedy sounding guitar tone that can get great. If you um if you if you go to Bandcamp, you can hear some demos, and that's exactly what you hear. It's oh, like man. oh yeah. god, if that was yeah. recorded like that. No offense to the band because the album's awesome, no. but I just did some demos today and I was like, like helicopters as a demo. And I was like, oh, that sounds so bad compared to the album. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, so in demo format, if they stuck with that real, you know, trendy lo fi sound, it wouldn't have sounded right. And the, the guy who drummed on the album, Greg Wales, he's a fairly prominent producer in the Australian indie and sound engineer in the Australian indie rock scene. So I think him joining on drums but also being the producer um, was obviously a godsend. He's produced a lot of stuff or sound engineered a lot of stuff from UMI to Powderfinger to lesser-known bands as well. So he he joined on drums but has always been their producer slash sound engineer and I think he did a fantastic job, as you say, getting that mix right between not too glossy and sheeny but definitely not in that lo-fi vein either.
Yeah, it's a, it's a good, honest production. You know, it sounds full range, like high fidelity in terms of like, it's not missing a, a spectrum of this, you know, sound spectrum, like some lo-fi recordings do, but it doesn't have a lot of extra reverb and delays and like yeah, gloss on top of it. It's just a good, honest, I think, rock production. And yeah, I mean, you touched on it, but the capturing that guitar tone, right? I don't know if he's playing a jazz master or Jaguar, but to me, that's what it sounds like where you get that like really meaty mid range. Yeah. And that's so critical when you're, when you're doing a lot of clean stuff is otherwise it just sounds brittle and small. Yeah. I, it doesn't sound like a Telecaster. <laughs> right. Uh, is there anything that doesn't work for you on the record? Um, sometimes the guitar and the vocal are a little too samey. Um, I'm, a, I'm, get, I'm assuming based on what I'm learning about the band through this conversation is that the singer is also the guitar player. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's, I know from watching other bands and being in bands that it tends to happen sometimes is that the, if you're singing and playing guitar, you go into these modes or sections of the songs or sometimes entire songs where the two are almost playing the exact same thing. Uh, some of that is fine. Like there, I think there's some good examples of where the dynamic of them, him doing that where like he's in sync with himself and then he goes out of sync with himself. It's kind of cool, but there's some other sections where, and even songs like, um, I positively hate you now is a good example where I just want some more dynamic between the two and it's just too samey. You know, it gets a little, I think some of the tempos get a little bit like plotting. There's some slow builds or sections where there's no vocals. Could just be a little tighter, a little bit more dynamic. Examples are like Hole Again, DI Eclipse, even Walk in a Straight Line, even though I like parts of that song. There's other sections where it gets a little slow. Um, and I like the distortion when they kick into it. There are some cases, though, I think along the moors is a good example where when, when they go to distortion, it actually sounds smaller. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't explode. It just it gets a little noisier, but it doesn't like give you that big effect of from going, you know, from clean to a big fuzzy sound where you get that like explosion dynamic. It it doesn't kind of work that way with this band. So sometimes uh, there were some sections where I was like, eh, you know what? I, I would have been okay if they just didn't get dirty here and they just stayed clean. I think uh, Crep Paper Fortress is a good example where it does work. Um, so it's just a little inconsistent, like with getting the, I think, distortion sound right with how big the clean sound is. 
you certainly don't want it to feel like it gets smaller when you when you click on the distortion pedal. Right. Um, so just some little details like that that I think, you know, could be better. But we could run. That's, yeah, same thing. Um, that's a, a cause by when you use like a guitar pedal, it it changes the frequencies. Yeah. And so your your bass end that you had for like clean tone is gone. It gets sucked up. And so yeah. that's why that happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think they would have been better off either just not doing that or like put the distortion on the bass like give me give me some yeah. like distorted bass and i agree with you i think the rhythm thing there is this tendency in slow core and we heard this with slint and we've heard this with polvo or, or you know if you've ever listened to like early sebado or or luna or anything like that uh the drums are just like boom boom and you're like if you could just throw in the odd like boom give me just one little extra (laughs) every every three and five you know like something like that like just give me something that's just a little off for the beat that's what that's what's just missing like uh, just a slightly bit more inventive uh drummer that and and you know i respect them for sticking to it. it it actually is really hard to play that slow on tempo and simple but just from being familiar with that slow core sound, like I'm looking for the band who's who did something a slightly bit different. Um, and then that makes me go, Oh, okay. That's they're They're playing with it. Not just sort of sticking with what the, what the concept is. Um, so, cause <laughs> probably when we get to the review, I mean, the end of the show, like, uh, and I say that uh, this is gonna this this is what I wanted the band to sound like that we reviewed uh, a year or two ago or two or three years ago that is a classic, <laughs> and we didn't like it, and we should be banished from the indie rock. Uh, <laughs> we lost I, our indie rock and, membership. And right? I say this is better. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this, Josh? No, I'm obviously an unabashed five stars right. out of ten men on this one, but I love that you're. Nit- I think you're nitpicking, and that's good. So it shows that it's pretty strong. Uh, <laughs> so no, I I can't say I I the distortion works for me, but I'm I'm very much an amateur musician, so I'm really interested in hearing about that. Perhaps a distortion on a bass pedal. I'd I'd be really keen to hear what Brendan, the lead singer, sort of thinks about that now. Twenty years, twenty five years on, um, I know from 
as I say, messages on Facebook with him, he's probably quite open to hearing, oh, that might have been interesting. Like he like he said to me in one email, like, by no means is it perfect, but I'm still proud of the record. So I think he's quite an audiophile and interested to, <laughs> to hear that sort of more technical side of things, whereas that washes over my head a little bit. But um, I'm certainly, yeah, I think what Jay said about even along the moors, when I think about it, oh, yeah, maybe doesn't actually sound much stronger or more powerful when the distortion kicks in, but then I'm like, I still love the song, so I don't care. <laughs> he's trying to, he's trying to ch- chip away at your will. Don't let him do he that. He, he won't be able to do it. <laughs> um, a tiny, tiny little hammer. Jay, do you want to, maybe, maybe Brendan will share what his guitar pedal was. What do you think that, what guitar pedal do you think he was using for distortion on this? If you had to guess. Um, it sounds a little rat-like. I mean, I'm just going with the generics. It doesn't sound like a big muff to me. It sounds a little bit more metallic. Yeah, like um, a rap pedal. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, he, he also um, refurbishes old pedals and guitars now as well. Like that's a little side business he runs. So he's very much into equipment and stuff. So I'm sure he'll be happy to share. Well, I'm, I'm going to guess it's not a metal zone. Uh, the horrific <laughs> metal <laughs> distortion pedal from the, from the 80s and 90s. Um, I'm going to bet that this is a, uh, what's the boss overdrive? Is it, is it the, uh, yeah, it's just called an overdrive, right? Yeah. Or do they have a name well, for it? They have a distortion too, but is it just called the, dr- the drive? I don't remember. Boss overdrive. It is. Okay. I guess it, I'm listening to it again. It's a little, it's a little fuzzy. It could be a fuzz, but there's like a metallic nature to it. That makes me think more distortion than fuzz. All right, I'm changing mine to a fuzz face. That was where the, those were the, the round pedals. With the, they were red, and they were yeah. round, and they had a, one silver button in the middle. That's what I'm going. That's I think what, the guitar Jay said, like, with Jag something. or Jag, but I think that's the guitar he used. I remember him talking yeah. about that. I think you got that right. This is, like, this is like when there's a, 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 somebody in the audience, and he's, and he's like, it's like a guy, a mentalist, and he's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of a, I think, I think you're playing an offset. I think it was definitely an offset guitar. Was a, it had a. The, the uh, guitar was asymmetrical. Asymmetrical. Uh, uh, your well, amp. It was, uh, it was four. No, it was two, it was two speakers. <laughs> Uh, two speakers, but perhaps a Fender Twin. Were you playing a Fender Twin? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that every episode. Guess well, what our guess what our uh, musicians played? Hey man, we come into these reviews honest. We don't, you know. You'll get some. You'll get some train spotters. The music speaks for itself. There you go. <laughs> Let's get to our our uh, our final thoughts on this, and tell everyone uh, if we find it to be. A worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Our Patreon poll will wait until we have decided. Jay, what do you say? Worthy album for me. It's only 37 minutes. I mean, geez. Um, I nitpicked it here and there, but I think Along the Moors, Hold Your Horses, Helicopters, Great Expectations, and Crate Paper Fortress are really strong. And the songs between that are still interesting enough for uh for worthy album for me were you yeah Tim? I, I agree with you the only song that doesn't really work for me is di eclipse um but yeah th- the rest of the album i think has really interesting moments um melodically what he's doing vocally and then the interplay between all the instrumentation um and i think that 
this works on in terms of a slow core kind of thing like better than the slint album like i think this is better than that record hot takes hot takes so do I. So do shots I. fired I'm, I'm, I'm about to unleash a truth upon the world <laughs> that has been forbidden by the elite and that is on second thought by sandpit is actually a better album than slint's Spiderland. I couldn't even remember. Yeah. It was so uninteresting to me. But he whined about their precious slint not putting on records, and you've got <laughs> Sam Pitt picking up right where they left off. There you go. So yeah, I, I definitely think it's a worthy album. And I'm bummed that I, I went to look at their band camp and the, uh, their reissues are sold out. Yeah. So I, well, I'll have to, uh, have to come to the uh, CD via Discogs. <laughs> Uh, I, it's a formality, Josh. Just you can give me yeah, a uh, very worthy album. I the songs Jay mentioned are obviously the more I would say upbeat, real straight, not straight ahead, but rocking songs. But I think the ones with a bit more space in between are some of the stronger material for me as well, particularly Metamorphosis. I love that song, and um, but even you know, I positively hate you and walk in a straight line, a couple of those other slower songs. I still love the space that's created in those and his vocal. Um, performance I think shines in those songs as well so yeah worthy album for me well our Patreon community they're with us 71% said worthy album 29% said better EP so that's it that's that's the voice two for two two for two two for two (laughs) and both are both bands that are primarily slow yeah do you listen and to any music above 70 bpm <laughs> you know, i do one of my friends used to call my music he says i like marching band music which i think is accurate <laughs> um but i do but i i must admit like a lot of the australian bands you guys have already reviewed like pollyanna like screen feeder has just released an album up you know they've been yep. going for still 31 years and their new album's awesome called five rooms and i would say it's a little uh more than slow core so i do like <laughs> the more speedier stuff but i just these two albums particularly for me in the late 90s were the two that stood out for me there's a there's another one that i might bring to the table next year but i'll i'll keep my powder dry on that for now <laughs> well i just want to mention that you did actually list uh that your favorite bands in your bio you said big heavy stuff blue bottle kiss who we've talked about um, yeah pollyanna who we've talked about Sandpit. Yeah. Yeah. And Jersey. Jersey, yes. But Jersey are more too early 2000. So, oh, okay. Um, so they might not. So you're saying it it's ever. not amongst these bands? Not amongst those bands, no. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, we, we will look forward to your pick and we thank you uh, no, you thanks know, for, again, for joining us. We, you're, you're in a totally different part of the world and, and you could be having a nice brunch right now with a mimosa. I'm about and, to. It's uh, my wife's birthday, so I better get out of here. Oh, well, yeah, yes. Yeah. All right, let's get you signed <laughs> off. Gosh. Jeez, you, you must you be doing, doing something really. I know. I think I said today. yes. I think I said yes before I looked at the date. But it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. Uh, well, if you want to be like Josh and have us ruin your wife's birthday, join us at Patreon. <laughs> you can pick an album and join us on your wife's or anniversary yeah good idea what what day would you like us to 
<laughs> interrupt. Valentine's uh, Day. Anyway, uh, Patreon.com. That's where you go to support the podcast. It's DMOUnion.com, DigMeOutUnion.com. Uh, you also go to DigMeOutPodcast.com to submit an album, to join the Box newsletter, which is delivered every week with two new reviews of 80s and 90s relevant music, albums, uh, TV shows, documentaries, books, uh, fictional retellings, all kinds of things. And uh, that's the Box Newsletter. Finally, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Thank you. We got to get Josh out of here. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. (laughs) 